The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. On this episode of This League, Dr. J throws a ricochet shot at LeBron James? We find out where all of the NBA fine money goes. Very surprising. We discuss why teams are regularly losing by 40-plus points, which is just gross. Whether anyone has played themselves out of more money than Evan Fournier, the great French hope. And we also talk about why I am a world-class mush. Also, getting into some tic-tac early gang mailbag questions. So let's go. We also have a special producer for today's show. Mikey is here because Marty is still gallivanting around, I think, Louisiana. So welcome to Mikey, and thanks for joining us. Let's drop the beat. Mushes faster or more effectively with more impact than me. <laughs> On the last episode, I talked about high playoff seeds I thought that would be dangerous. Knicks, Wizards, Warriors, Grizzlies. Guess what, folks? Every single one of those teams lost Monday or Tuesday night. <laughs> it never fails. I shit-talked my Portland Trailblazers, and guess what? Then they blew out the Pacers, and then they blew out the Memphis Grizzlies. It's just, what are the odds? Wizards lost in OT to break their nine-game winning streak to the San Antonio Spurs. Knicks blew a big lead against the Suns to snap their winning streak. Grizzlies got their doors blown off by the Nuggets. The Warriors then waited till Tuesday to historically shit the bed against the Mavs. They... They had 37 points with nine minutes to go in the third quarter. I mean, what are the odds? My mom would say 100%. 100% of the odds. There is a reason that Philly and Boston fans regularly chirp me. Hey, talk shit about my team. Talk shit about my team. Because every single time I do, they go on a win streak. Every single time. I should probably just bet against the teams that I talk about. Just every, if I talk positive, bet against them. If I talk negative, bet against that. But I really, really want to talk about the Warriors because it's indicative of a larger issue and indicative of something that's going on in our weird pandemic year that we have. 
Something magical happened, folks. A team that I said was scoring at record numbers somehow couldn't, somehow Saran Wrap was put in chase just over the bucket because there was points in times where they went stretches without hitting buckets. Golden State went nine and a half minutes without scoring a single bucket. Not one! And you wonder, oh, where was Steph? Steph was playing, folks. He hit a three to put the Warriors up 12 to 11, and then they just did not score again until the second quarter. Have you ever seen that? Never seen that. Never seen that. They got outscored 51-17 going into halftime. They missed 18 shots in a row. These are professionals. These are not, this is not AAU. This is not college. This is not a weird 16 seed that snuck into March Madness. This is the Golden State Warriors, folks. They couldn't get a bucket. One of the longest streaks of this kind in 15 years. They had 28 points at halftime. (laughs) Like sometimes they regularly get 28 points in the first six minutes of a quarter. That is worth talking about. And let's think about this. Also, Tsunami Poppy, my man, Kelly Oubre, 23 minutes, half of a game, and had a plus-minus of negative 41. That statistically means you might be one of the most impactful players in history. (laughs) Like, if you play a full game, the Warriors would have been down statistically 82 points. (laughs) That is wild. How is it possible to be that bad in that short of a time? I don't know. I don't know. And then on the flip side, on a positive note, Tuesday night, Blazers broke their five-game losing streak after I ranted about how bad they were. And maybe one of the worst players in the NBA, Anthony Simons, like just legitimately one of the laughing stocks in the NBA, he just went off. He hit nine of ten threes. He, that's an NBA record. What's more impressive, though, is like Ubre, very impactful. He played a half a game, 24 minutes. During that time, he was plus 42. I mean, I cannot stress how strange this is. For a player that bad to be that good, it's wild. Anyway, Anthony Simons was the anti-Ubre that night. Same night. At that incredible that there was an 83-point differential between them. So that works out to a 186-point differential over a whole game. (laughs) I just think that's funny. I should also remind people that Kelly Oubre is costing the Warriors $80-plus million this year, including the luxury tax that he's hampering the team with. A guy who could have been negative 82 in a game is costing you $80 million. Whew. I tell you what, that is a bargain, huh? That brings up a second point. This year in the NBA, there have been 30, think about this, 30 games in which one team has gone down by 40 or more points. I mean, that's disgusting. The the Clippers, which are a contender, lost to the Mavericks. Again, the Mavericks are blowing teams out by 50 points earlier this year. I know Kawhi wasn't playing, but what the fuck's going on? These are professionals. You should not be able to let another team put 50 up on you. That's crazy. I said this earlier. Because of the pandemic, when teams go down, they lay down and they stay down. They're like, you know what? Time to take this night off. Low management time. I speculated, maybe because it's the lack of the crowds, 
And maybe not just because people want to get up for crowds, but crowds boo. Crowds heckle. They tell you how fucking trash you are when you go down by 50. Boo, Ubre, you fucking suck. Stop shooting. You fucking trash. No, Marcus Smart, no more threes. That's what they would say. But no one's there to say it. It's just chirp, chirp, and they're like, yep, keep gunning. Keep gunning. Terrible shot after terrible shot. Thursday night, great example. Sacramento, coming off of a win. Came off of a big win uh, and a last-second loss to Golden State, and they visit the Jazz. At this point, they're plus nine. I'm like, oh, that's easy money. They're playing tough. Yes, it is. Let's go. Utah's been a little bit down. And you know what? Look at this. Utah, 154 to Kings, 105. Gross. A 49-point loss. Ugh. They were down 32 points at halftime. That's when I knew to turn the game off. Yes, that is. That's when I knew. Then the Sixers, another bet that I had. The Sixers hosted the Hawks, a playoff team, number four team in the East at that point. Coming off a big win against the Bucks. Philadelphia 127, Atlanta 83. 44-point loss. 67-39 to at halftime. Ah, yikes. Gross. Gross for my pocketbook. Gross for fans. Gross for the NBA. Gross for everyone. I don't know what else to say, but fans can't come soon enough. Because I don't want to see these wild swings. I don't think anyone wants to. I think this is like a COVID hiccup. An anomaly. I hope it goes away fucking soon. Because I do not want to see a four-point favorite win by 30 points every single week. This league. Oh, my God, Dr. J. Dr. J. Ugh, tough. Dr. J put together a little list, folks. (laughs) And then Twitter, what was funny is Twitter was like, Nobody can question this Dr. J list. Dr. J, he's your favorite player's favorite player. No one can say a goddamn thing. And I'm like, yes, we can. Absolutely, we can. That's exactly what I'm about to do right this second, actually. I don't care. We are questioning. I don't care how good you are. Julius Irving, who anyone under 21 knows only from uh, like a grainy YouTube footage. You've never seen him live. You've never even heard of anyone seeing him live. That's how old he is. Came out with the single worst take of the year. They asked him, Julius, Chris Haynes, my guy, asked him, first and second team all NBA. And his list, boy, was wild. And the rationale was wild, too. That's that's really the critical piece. As you could tell, he very much had bad decision-making quality and rationale when making that list. Because then he explained it, and you're like, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. The youngest player on Dr. J's list was Michael Jordan, who is in his late 50s, has not played one game since 2003. For my TikTok fans, that's probably before you were born. A quarter of the NBA's history, the last quarter, some would say the best quarter, completely left off the list altogether. All those players, not in the top 10. Not one 21st, player, 21st century player, not including Jordan, used. No KD, no Harden, not Steph, not Braun, not Kobe. But yes, yes, Dr. J, gotta have Elgin fucking Baylor on the list, huh? Let's get into this list. Dr. J's first all-NBA team, Jerry West. 
Elgin Baylor, Bill Russell, Oscar Robinson, and Wilt Chamberlain. Keep in mind that first All-NBA team, none of those guys played a single game in the 1980s. (laughs) In fact, the last NBA game anyone on this list played was in 1974. As in nearly a half a century ago. As in five years before the three-point line was introduced to the sport. (laughs) Because everyone said that was the peak. Nothing more peak NBA than 1960s basketball when people were underhand free throw shooting. Yes, folks, that was when the NBA was the most elite. And the most elite players of that time period are the most elite of all time. This is a bonkers fucking list. And then Dr. J doubled down with his all-NBA second team. Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Karl Malone, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. At least this name, this, this group of names people actually know, I guess. Most of them. What does Karl Malone have on Dr. J? What tapes does he have on him? What have they done together? Because there is no reason Karl Malone should be on this list. Karl Malone isn't even as good as Tim Duncan, and Tim Duncan shouldn't be on this list. No one in the world thinks Tim Duncan or Karl Malone is better than Kevin Durant. Not one person. This is the dustiest fucking list I have ever seen. This is the most antique roadshow list I have ever seen, folks. I don't even understand. And then the craziest thing, because this might be what you're thinking too, where is LeBron James? And he answered, well, I don't like LeBron because LeBron formed a super team. The actual quote was, he's the guy who led the charge in terms of super teams being put together when he put it. Uh, put together a team in Miami. He put together a team in Cleveland, which he did not. That was not a super team. Let's, everyone on earth knows that what was going on in Cleveland both times he was there was not even close to a super team. And put together a team in L.A. Let's go back into time for Dr. J for a second. <laughs> Let's peek, take a little peek at Dr. J's career. For folks who literally can't remember. So we have to dig into the coffers of history and put it uh, into your purview. Dr. J, you literally, quite literally, could not get over the hump in the ABA or the NBA until 1980 when the 76ers had seven current or former All-Stars, including yourself. Super team much? I don't know. That sounds kind of like a super team to me. Let's go through the list. Maurice Cheeks, all-star. Doug Collins, all-star. Caldwell Jones, all-star. Andrew Toney, all-star. Bobby Jones, all-star. Lionel Collins, all-star. Dr. J, all-star. They also had Daryl Dawkins, who famously never made an all-star team, but everyone said was maybe one of the most underrated players of all time that never made an all-star team. So you could say really eight all-stars on that squad and you managed to scrape out one measly fucking ring. Get out of here. Get out of here. Maybe you're just salty because your super teams weren't as good as LeBron's super teams. Let's talk about Bill Russell for a second. Bill Russell at one point had 11 Hall of Famers on one team. (laughs) 
Okay, Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, and Wilt, three out of your top five guys on your first team All-NBA, they all played together on one team. So three out of your top ten players of all time played together on one roster, and you don't think that was a super team? This is garbage. Maybe you're fine with super teams. Maybe you just don't like LeBron's super teams. Maybe, just maybe, you don't like LeBron James. That's possible, which is bizarre, because LeBron James clearly is in love with you. Play the clip. All right, you're a historian of the NBA. You're a fan. Fans love to do this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Best three players of all time. Best three players of yeah. all time? Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, wow. Michael Jordan. Wow, this is tough. Michael Jordan. Uh, Dr. J. Larry Bird. That is tough. You give me three. I, I know. Oh my God, three. Uh, uh, yeah, Larry Bird, Dr. J. Michael. Because you just got into that Magic Bird thing, which is tough too. I know. I mean, I, can I get four? Sure. Uh, all right, Magic. <laughs> but magic fourth. Yeah. Listen, he said Michael Jordan. Then he thought long and hard, and the name Dr. J came off of his lips. Ah, I. Uh, how could you do LeBron dirty like this, Dr. J? How? The man who just erroneously, thoughtfully puts you into his top two of all time. A man who changed his jersey number to number six to honor you. He clearly loves you so much. He puts you way too high of the players on his all-time list, and yet you don't even put him in your top ten. Man, that is gross. Man, that is sad. That must be some petty-ass, competitive, Hall of Famer-type shit. Say it ain't so, doctor. Say it ain't so. So Kevin Porter Jr. fined $50,000 for violating league health and safety protocols for coming to the aid of teammate Sterling Brown during a fight at a strip club. Let that sink in for a second. I like KPJ. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. He's a bucket. And I am not going to pile on on KPJ, which I could easily do because he does a lot of funny things. But it did get me thinking, what happens to all that money of the people who, of the NBA players who have been paying fines over the years? It's a lot. I did a little digging. Apparently, I'm not the only one asking this question. Draymond Green, in fact, asked in a recent presser, hey, Where's all my fucking fine money going? Draymond Green paid three quarters of a million dollars in fines during his career. And he said, quote, we've never heard a single thing about it. We're told the money goes to charity, but we don't hear anything about these charities. In my opinion, it's just a phantom thing. I mean, yeah, big facts. And other players are also confused, including president of the MBPA, the Players Association, Chris Paul, who said, even before I got involved in the union, I was like, hey, where's this fine money going? I mean, that's a troubling fact that the MBPA doesn't even know where the money's going, right? ruh Turns out, following the money, not so easy. According to an article in The Athletic that just came out, it was like uh, following a Ponzi scheme 
hard work to find out where the money goes for every technical foul, every fi, every suspension. By the way, every technical foul, every single one is $2,000. They interviewed dozens of people before they could find a single answer, which is just crazy. Like, no transparency. Nuts. We're talking about millions and millions of dollars split between the union and the league. $7.3 million last year alone. Let me break down where all the fine money goes as clearly as I possibly can. The league share goes to NBA Cares, a subsidiary of the league that gave money to 15 charities. But here's the rub. They will not release how much to who. Yikes. On the other side, that part really should be investigated. On the other side, the player share of the fine money goes to the MPBPA Foundation, which is now worth $40 million, and they really don't even touch a cent of it. Because they take in more, because they give out more money every year than they take in, but because of interest, it stays around the same. And I'm very happy to report that the player fine money is actually doing some good. Everything from LeBron James, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Matthew Dellavedova, the fact that he has a foundation is kind of funny, uh, have received money. So has Philadelphia's Helping Hand Foundation to Operation Warm. Where does the league money, though, go? How much goes out? The Athletic declared NBA Cares was a private wing inside the league office that is not required to disclose almost anything about its spending. Does NBA care? I don't know. It appears that they don't care to share. And sharing is caring. At least half the players, at least half the fine money seems to be going to good causes, but the league itself, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Draymond Green needs to get on the case to find out where his money went because, let's face it, no one trusts the NBA league office, especially since they have a history of being shady. All right, can we talk about the great French hope for a second? The second coming of hope for the Boston Celtics organization. I don't know what's going on there, but it is bad. It is really, really bad. Nobody, I don't think, has played themselves out of more money than Evan Fournier. Fournier, transport yourself, folks, for me, back to the trade deadline. One of the most coveted players in the league, Evan Fournier of the Orlando Magic. He was having a career year. He was averaging 23 and 4. Yes, yes, yes. Third option, though, on a dismal team. So I was already a little skep. Every, though, but everybody, though, was saying he's going to change someone's fortune. He's going to take a team that's good to great. You put him on there as a wing. He's going to be able to defend. He's going to be able to put up buckets for you. Yes, yes, yes. And you know what? He's on an expiring suit. You don't want him. You don't have to pay him. But when he gets paid, he will get paid, paid. And then Trader Danny and the Boston Celtics landed him for nothing. Two second-round picks, and Celtics fans said this. They said, oh, we didn't really want Vucevic. We actually really wanted Evan Fournier. I mean, that's just Jokeville. We didn't want to give up Marcus Smart. We gave only two second-round picks, and this guy's going to take us to contention. And then Fournier started playing in Kelly Green and Gold. First game as a Celtics. Let's talk about it. It was memorable. (laughs) 0 for 10. 0 points, 33 minutes. And what's wild It might not have even been his worst game. It was not. Since then, he's gotten COVID and missed nine games. Five of his eight games, he scored less than six points. That's what we would call a statistical anomaly. Or Evan Fournier maybe is just not that good. His numbers as a Celtic before COVID, 11-2-2. 
after COVID, 4-4-2. So, yeah, COVID's definitely a factor, but what explains the 50% drop-off prior to COVID? Living in Boston? I don't know. I don't understand it. Fournier is shooting 21 for 69, which is 26% from the field. I would say atrocious. 13 for 40 from three for 25%. Was Evan Fournier the game changer for you? I don't think so. Not the game changer folks were anticipating. He is only 28, and I think someone will pay him. And I'm betting, though, not nearly as much as people thought he was going to get paid. People were saying he was going to get a huge deal. Not nearly as much as he would have gotten paid if he would have stayed his ass in Orlando, being the third option, putting up garbage points and garbage minutes that meant nothing. Now he actually has to contribute to a team that wants to win. So very difficult uh, to continue to put up 20 in that type of a spot. So the main takeaway for Boston Celtics fans is this. If Boston gives Evan Fournier the bag and he produces like this consistently – That may be the final straw that ends Danny Ainge. This league. All right, let's get into some mailbag questions, Mikey. Let's do it. I will start off with a very popular one, I think. If Donovan Mitchell, first of all, shout out Donovan Mitchell. Shout out. Leads the Jazz to an NBA Finals appearance. Will he be solidified as a top three two guard? Shout out to Brett McKendrick for this question. If Donovan Mitchell leads the Jazz to an NBA Finals appearance, will he be solidified as a top three shooting guard? Right now, I have at this position, Harden one. I hate to say this. Paul George, two. I know. He's had a career year, even with his little bum toe. Bradley Beal at three. Devin Booker at four. Drew at five. Spider at six, Shea at seven, Zach Levine at eight. So the question to me really becomes, Brett, and I know you're very interested in this question, and I'll get to why in a bit, but if Donovan Mitchell stands out, he kills other teams. If he, we see like Jamal Murray level performances where he's on Sports Center or SVP or on the House of Highlights every single night of the playoffs because Donovan Mitchell has willed his way to win. He's gritty. He's hitting big shots. Maybe he has a key steal, et cetera, et cetera. All the way to the finals. And then maybe they lose in a heartbreaking fashion because we know Utah's not going to win it all. Let's just be honest. Then I could say, yes, there is a real case. You can put him in that conversation for sure. But if it's like Mike Conley has a great performance for three games and then Donovan Mitchell goes cold and then Donovan Mitchell has a great game and then all of a sudden you get a massive Rudy Gobert performance or Joe Ingles hits a key three from the corner to win in overtime, then no, no Donovan Mitchell. You are not top three. Absolutely not. Ensemble performances do not put you into the pantheon of current greats. No. Could he he get in there if he had a Dwayne Wade type? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm thinking. And also, Brett, this is an inherently biased question because I know you, Brett, are a Utah Jazz fan. If you were a fan of the Houston Rockets, you were like, tell me about Donovan Mitchell. Then I would think maybe this is less of a Jokeville biased question. But I'm going to let it slide. Let's move on. This one comes from J underscore the wave. Love Th- it. Thoughts about the Heat's consistently inconsistency. Best way of putting it. 
truthfully, the Miami Heat are shockingly inconsistent. So wildly inconsistent for a finals team, it, it's just bad. Think about this. You know it's bad because Jimmy Butler has had to send multiple warning shots up into the air to his team to say, hey, I need you guys to fucking try. I don't even know who I'm going to see tonight, and it's my team. No shit, Jimmy Butler. How do you think we feel? How do you think gamblers feel? I don't fucking know what to do with the Miami Heat. You serious? We know that Jimmy Buckets only, only, only wants a team that plays hard. We only want a team that's consistently hustling, doing all of the little things. Do you remember when he played with Carl, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Chucklehead Wiggins, and he was like, these kids, all they want to do is play video games and do God knows what in their off time. They're not trying to shoot in the gym. They don't actually care about the sport as much as me. And then he bounced. This is what he said. We're just being soft. That's it. We're not getting into bodies. We're scared of contact. We're soft overall. I can't tell you which way we're going to go. I don't know what team is going to show up on any given night. That's not ideal. That is not good. The only thing he wants you to do is be consistent, and they are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Whew. Some nights they're good. Some nights they are absolutely atrocious. They lose to Chicago. They beat Chicago. They lose to Atlanta. They beat San Antonio, and they beat Brooklyn. They lose to Minnesota. What is this? This has, n- like, no trend that you can even pull apart to say, oh, well, this is that matchup, or this is why. Tyler Hero, terrible shooting here. They wanted to keep him, God knows why. Goran Dragic still cannot stay healthy. Even Butler missed 18 games this year, quarter of the season. They are, this is the shocking stat, 27th in the league in points per game. That is dead last in field goal percentage. They just can't make shots. They are no, like Jimmy Buckets, that team cannot hit buckets. No buckets. The only good news is that they can defend. Third in the league in defense. Grossly inconsistent. I would say this TikTok fan is correct. They are the most consistently inconsistent team in the NBA. You cannot bank on a goddamn thing. They could literally win the East or they could get bounced out of the first round. You tell me. You tell me. Actually, kind of beautiful. (laughs) All right. Who do you see as the best player in the league in five years? It's from Todd. Shout out to Todd Regini for this question. Hashtag early gang. All right, let's talk about it. Who will be the best player in the NBA in five years? Before the world can say, Trista, you put, you put Jason Tatum over Luka. You are trash. Apologize. You know nothing about basketball. You're just a girl. Get into the kitchen. Listen, I said right this second I would rather have Tatum over Luka. That's it. Right this second. It's a snapshot in time. It had nothing to do with the future. By the way, it's also a positional thing. I prefer elite wings over elite guards. I think you can get more out of an elite wing than an elite guard. But listen, I must admit, Luka's fucking good. He is really, really good. And you look at him, and he seems like he's 25, 26, 27. He's 22. Yikes. That's scary. Five years from now, Luca is in his prime. Five years from now, he's not fucking around, hanging out by the Adriatic Sea in the off-season, chilling by the beach with his little flabby stomach. He's got abs. He's staying in L.A. in the off-season. He's hooping in those runs. He's at the little fancy gym where all, like, Hoodie Mello was and all the, like, Chris Brickleys of the world. And, like, we see him on game film. And all of a sudden, you're going to see Luca and his, like, multiple-time MVP. 
if he does not get multiple MVPs in his career, will be a complete failure. I see him as potentially being not only the best player in the league, but the franchise league cornerstone, the guy that you put in billboards all over the world because Luka is not only that dude, he's that likable, and he is that much of a gamer. At that point, KD will be 37, Braun will be 41, Curry will be 38, Harden will be 36, Kyrie will be 34. So I guess you could say my my other choices when you think about guys who are still going to be somewhat in their prime, you've got Harden, you've got Jokic, you've got Embiid and Giannis, but the money's on Luka. Okay, let's switch it up a little bit, go back to Golden State. Thoughts on the Warriors using clay to clickbait the NBA nation? This is how bad it is in Golden State. They need to send updates for any bit of hope for folks to just cling on to. That's that's what we're talking about right now. So the Warriors announced a big update this week on Clay Thompson. And everybody's like, oh my God, Clay? Could it be? Holy shit, Clay Thompson, could could he be back for the playoffs? Could we get him? Let's go. Click, 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 click. And it was literally like Clay Thompson is now running. <laughs> Clay Thompson is now running. Wow, that is a world-class clickbait, folks. I there's like high hopes and then boom, crash. Come on now, we can't be getting updates like this. We just can't. Like, Clay Thompson is doing one leg squats, like first block on Sports Center on the jump. <laughs> what? You can't fake Warriors fans and thinking Clay Thompson's going to be back to save you. He's not coming to save you. He's not going to be back. Let me give you a little bit of news. Clay Thompson might not be back in the first quarter of next season. How, here's that for a little update for you. Clay Thompson, not going to be an elite defender for a while because he snapped his fucking Achilles and his ACL. Like, I'm sorry, he's not coming to save you, Warrior fans. It's not happening. So how do I feel about the Warriors using Clay as a fucking piece of chum, as clickbait and hope? I think it's trash. I think it's absolute trash. Just trying to find a lifeboat that people can cling on to, and you you hug the lifeboat, and you realize it's not even inflated, and you sink to the bottom of the water. That's what that was. It's, it covers up for the fact that the Warriors went nine and a half minutes without scoring a single point. 36 points total with nine minutes left in the third, in the third quarter. So, yeah, Warriors, don't do that. That's all the time that we have for the This League podcast. Please subscribe. Please rate, please review on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. I see folks in TikTok asking for the podcast. You realize there is a link. You're probably even not even listening because you're on TikTok. So this message is just null and void. But it makes a huge difference when you subscribe and unsubscribe and resubscribe. That's a little trick. Also, there's a lot of fucking haters in the star comments. They're, they don't like me for other reasons. So push the stars. Rate, review, give me some reviews. We also have This League hoodies on sale at the Barstool Store. Please also do not forget to follow This League on YouTube. A lot of folks hating about my YouTube numbers. You can fix that. Also, follow this league on TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Tune in Monday afternoon for the next edition of This League.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. 